special because of all the connections we make when we work and share together. I met Eddie at Osmosis several years ago because of Marcy Phelps. He was an up-and-comer, and I am delighted to have him as a guest on Fraudish. Seeing the next generation of fraud fighters build their businesses is just amazing to me. I would never have thought of doing it at the start of my career. I was chicken. Let's listen to some great insight of Eddie's. Okay, you guys, we have Eddie Ajab today, and I want to give a little background on how I met Eddie. Um, I met him through Marcy Phillips, who you guys know from Great Women in Fraud, because Eddie was, um, were you kind of mentored by Marcy? Yes, that's right. She was my mentor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the American Independent Information Professionals. Yep, that's right. I'll put a link to the show notes for the AIIP. Um, I'm not a member currently, but I, that group, wow. Uh, talk about the most giving, sharing people on the planet. So when Marcy said that I needed to meet with you, I knew I needed to meet with you. And I think we met at Osmosis, and I don't remember what city, and we immediately hit it off. That's right. Yeah, I remember that we were um, we were introduced by Marcy. Uh, Marcy was one of the first folks, uh, one of the first PIs actually that I met through AIIP, and I'm very grateful that she 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 introduced me to um, you know a lot of great folks in the uh, in the industry. Yeah, it's a small world, and it's Kevin Bacon's two degrees of separation, huh? Right. <laughs> okay, we're going to get started with a little bit of a quick questions. Um, what do you think of when you hear the word fraud? Um, so when I think of when I when I hear the word fraud, um, I think of things like, um, you know, in, employees of, of companies very uh, uh, embezzling or using really sneaky tactics to kind of get away with things um, beneath the surface. And um, the more. I read about fraud and the more that I learn about fraud, it actually is more, it, it, I'm, I'm surprised to discover that it's more than just the cliche kind of taking a wad of cash out of a register. It's a lot more sophisticated and it's a lot more, uh, it's getting a lot more technical. So um, I, I'm always surprised when I read more about fraud and I hear more about fraud and learn more about it because it's not uh, what I, uh, it's, it's not limited to what's I, just just what I believed it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just what we see on, uh, you know, the big screen or the small screen or yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in it. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When I say ethics, what do you think of? Ooh, I like that one. Um, ethics is an ethics is another one. That's pretty, so that's pretty complex. Um, we have ethics. Ethics comes up all the time as investigators, and then we hear about what is what is ethical behavior for an investigator. Um, we're the good guys, and we still have limitations about what things that we can and cannot do, or should and shouldn't do. So, uh, ethics is also sort of this two sided um, coin where you have the ethics of a profession, and then the ethics of, I guess you could say, the the general public or um, the ethics that are expected of an employee or of a team uh, team member and things that they um, should or should not do um, that could be harmful to company culture, that could be harmful to the company's finances. Uh, so I think ethics is another one that has sort of 
definitions, both for um, uh, a, a vast array of, of uh, industries, both um, in the public and as a, a, an investigative profession. I really like that answer because I've asked this question for a long time and um, most people answer the ethics is just like, you know, uh, about other people, but you brought in the whole thing about ethics as an investigator, and that is a really, really important topic. Um, you and I both know of people who have crossed the line when it comes to ethics as an investigator. I mean, I can't think of the guy out in L.A. Do you remember him? He just got out of prison. Oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, I don't think anyone's brought it up that way. And I teach a lot of ethics. And I always say um, I'm not a lawyer. I promise to not say it depends. But I really like how you brought that it's a two sided coin. So, OK, so that leads me to another question is where do you because we have to have ethics training. Where do you go to get your ethics training and what is some of the best ethics training you've had, if you can think of any? <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, I think um, so. Uh, ethics. Tra I, I do like how a lot of the associations are adding ethic, uh, ethics training and uh, sessions about ethics to uh, their conferences, to their online uh, webinars and things like that, because it, it really is a must. It, it's something that I think should be made available um, in the profession at, as, as a private investigator. Um, this year alone, uh, Kelly, as you said, I've been going to a lot of conferences, a lot of um, PI groups, a lot of OSINT, uh, um, uh, OSINT organizations and uh, OSINT groups. So um, where I go to get uh, um, training and professional development on ethics is these PI conferences. Um, Kitty Haley is a big name of, of in ethics in the investigation community. I'm I was um, honored to have met her for the second time, actually, this past summer and got both of her books. So there's um, there are some great resources, resources out there specifically for investigator ethics. And I think it's important to seek out that training and, and uh, everywhere that it's offered. Oh, OK. So I know the name Kitty Haley from Cynthia Hetherington. Yes. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yep. And um, so, OK, we. Um, now it's your turn to kind of give your sort of back history of how you got into this amazing industry. And you are the president at Nighthawk Strategies. And I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, sure. So how I got on, how I got into the industry was uh, somewhat um, of a, somewhat by accident, but it, I came from a background. Um, I came from a legal background. So I was a, a paralegal um, for the Department of Justice. Um uh, for uh, a couple of years, I was working on antitrust cases. Um, and then I, through working through some um, different organizations in Washington, D.C., I've been in D.C. this whole time, but I've uh, worked for other organizations where I've had to use um, uh, research skills, analytical skills, um, my background in um, security and and uh, and law to kind of um uh, you know, really put together the skill set of of doing what I do. So when I started my business, I first was um, thinking of getting into consulting or research or something, and that really didn't stick as much. And it was about a year later when I went to get my PI license, and that was really um, 
when things sort of took an identity with my company and when people really started to re- that resonates more with uh, with a general audience. Um, so then I started, you know, kind of going full circle. Now I'm working with lawyers again. Now I'm supporting them in their cases and giving them the uh, the legal support and uh, research that they need to, um, uh, you know, win more cases and do a better job in the courtroom and, you know, be more successful in what they do. Um, you know, all while drawing upon these skills that I've had in, di- in different sorts of industries. So I don't have a law enforcement background or a military background or anything like that. It just sort of all came through different facets and different industries all coming together. Yeah, yeah, I I, I love that because, um, you know, there is this sort of idea that a lot of people in this industry have a prior law enforcement background. I do, but like actually my background in finance has been more helpful as a certified fraud examiner than I'm going to say my law enforcement background um, was. So, so now this is even, you know, I think also interesting. You're in DC and I just picture DC that the investigators are like constantly running into each other. Is that true? Or is that like some like miss? I, I don't know, something that we just think from like TV. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, um, uh, I haven't met too many other um, private investigators in DC. If, if I have, there's a couple of them that I think do um, surveillance work or very specialized um, investigations, maybe for the government. Um, DC, as far as I know, I always say is I always say preface this by saying as far as I know, but DC <laughs> does not have a PI association. Um, at least I haven't been invited to it. There is one, um, but it's interesting because the, uh, this a city that you'd think would have a big investigation community. Um, as as far as I know, does not have a PI association. And, um, you know, I think it could be because a lot of folks do come from federal law enforcement background. They stay in D.C. and they end up working for uh, uh, like maybe a larger intelligence firm instead of what we call a pri- you know private investigation. So they do exist and they um, they do um uh, you know, they do offer the same services, but I think it's more specialized in D.C. since there's more government clients and things like that. So people always ask, why am I always flying out to California and Texas and Florida and and uh, Michigan and everywhere I've been this year? I said, well, it's because I'm I'm just the um, uh, you know, uh, I don't I don't have a P.I. So she's locally to me. So I have to everyone else is my adopted uh, uh, home for uh, for that. So. <laughs> Well, yeah. Okay. So let's lead into that. Um, we kind of, it's taken a, a little bit to get together because Eddie's been so busy out speaking. So what are some of the topics that you speak on? And maybe like, do you have like, I mean, I have my catch me if you can today's pink color criminal is kind of my one I'm known for. Do you have a topic that you really, really get into? Yeah. So I, I frequently present on, uh, the topic of online and social media investigations. Um, surprisingly, this this isn't all I do, but it's the one area that I like to talk about because um, one, there really aren't too many speakers talking about um, those particular topics, um, unless of course you go to a, a um, 
uh, you know, a, a conference that's all about digital uh, investigations. But for the most part, those really fit in nicely as a session with other um, broader uh, curriculum PI conferences to talk about online and social media. So that's the one I like the most. And it's great because it's always changing. So I can give a presentation today and in two weeks, I could probably have to change half, half the uh, slides because there are new tools coming on. There are new techniques. There are new websites. There are new platforms. Uh, the existing platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are sort of changing the way you can search and investigate using them. So it's such a dynamic uh, topic and such a dynamic area of investigations that I, I like doing it and, you know, researching new stuff about it all the time. So I find that to be a, uh, a fun topic to cover. Okay. So that leads me to, do you have like one or two favorite tools that you just can't live without? Um, yes. Yeah, so there was, um, the uh the at the at the uh the most recent presentation i gave um i always you know brush up on the tools and see if they're still working and see if they're uh still there one of them i really love is um tweet beaver and oh, that, yeah. um that one is uh a, a a real golden nugget when it comes to investigating uh twitter accounts so when you when you're doing an investigation on Twitter, you can go to the individual's Twitter account and kind of poke through their tweets and things like that. But what Tweet Beaver will do is we'll show you a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So you can, you know, get uh, metadata about their account, see if they um, what followers they have in common with another account, look at their timeline, you can export their tweets. So um that was definitely really one uh, uh, one really big tool um, that I like to use. And um, let's see, I think another one was called Tweet Topic Explorer. Um, Tweet Topic Explorer is, let's say you're investigating, these are both for Twitter, by the way, because there was I had a, a pretty Twitter-heavy presentation recently. Um, Tweet Topic Explorer is when you come across a profile, a Twitter account, that has just, you know, tons and tons of tweets, and you really just want to get the gist of what it is that they most frequently talk about. Well, this shows you a word cloud or a word bubble cloud, really, of what they tweet about. So if they frequently use the, you know, swear words or gun or violent terms or something, those will show up in a very visual format. So you can kind of see where they gravitate to in, in their tweets. So I thought that was kind of a neat tool for doing a quick analysis of, um, of uh, what someone, the words someone frequently uses, which can give some insights as to uh, what they're frequently talking about on, on Twitter. Okay, I did not know the Tweet Topic Explorer, but I love word clouds. And this is a funny story going back to 2015. I was working for a big company and um, an outside counsel came in and she looked over my shoulder and I was on Twitter and she's like, what is that? And I was like, oh, God, this is what we're dealing with here. Um, like she did not know what Twitter was. And even seven years ago, Twitter was still very popular. So um, Twitter's been a lot in the news and I'm anxiously uh, or I don't know if anxious is the right word but like um I want to know what's going to happen to Twitter because I love Twitter 
like it, like you said, like you can find out so quickly. I've used it in investigations where it's like you can find out what someone's hobbies are or what sort of the, you know, their passions are really quickly from Twitter. So are you concerned about Twitter with the um, going private by Elon Musk? A little bit. Yeah. In fact, it's funny because um, the day that that happened, which was just a few uh, a few days ago, uh, late last week, I um, I like to do case studies and walk people through the steps in my presentation. So when I was using Tweet Beaver, I used Elon Musk's Twitter account as an as an example. And then about oh, wow. six hours later. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that really kind of raised a lot of questions in the OSINT community, um, particularly because uh, Elon Musk was talking about censorship and, you know, opening up Twitter and and not being so moderated and things like that. So it it's it's interesting thing because on one hand that could um um you know ha- definitely have a ripple effect for people who do investigations on twitter on the other hand it could affect the audience that uses twitter uh the people that will use it there are people that might just leave it abandon it and go to other platforms we're already starting to see that it may actually draw in different sorts of uh users uh depending on what is I guess you'd say tolerated for lack of a better term on the platform. So you know how like each social media platform kind of has its own different vibe. Um, I think that that will definitely uh, change a little bit as, as these changes come to Twitter. Um, so it, we'll have to keep close eyes on how that develops and, and um, the shift between uh, the users that, that maintain their accounts and new users that come and go. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, obviously a um lifelong learner a fraud nerd um do you listen to podcasts i do yep okay what are some of your favorite podcasts that help for not only like your work but maybe your personal life or like growing your business do you have some favorite podcasts um you know the yeah a couple come to mind are actually both um private investigator podcasts um one is pi perspectives um by oh yeah by Matt Spare. Um, so he has a lot of guests on. Um, I was, I, I've been on the show a couple of times myself. Um, and uh, we talk about things, he talks about things with the guests about investigations, but also how they uh, run their business and some tips that they have. So it's not just all uh, uh, tools and techniques. A lot of it is practical knowledge and things that you can apply to your business from a marketing or business development standpoint. Um, and similarly, the other one is um, PIs Declassified by Francie Kaler. Um, I, I credit Francie, I think she was the first podcast that I was on but back maybe five, six years ago or so talking about, um, I had just written an article about Snapchat um, and I was way in the shadows then. Nobody knew who I was. So Francie found my article and brought me on it. And I think to her show, it's, 10 plus years running. It may even be longer than that. Um, really good resource and really good speakers that come on there who also talk about um, business, the, running a PI business, um, which is a really unique business. So I think that those um, those podcasts there and the guests that come on have a very good um, perspective for running a, 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 a unique, unique business such as an investigation service. Oh my gosh, that's so funny because I think my first podcast appearance was with Francie too. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is. <laughs> um, so uh, wh- where, besides like podcasts and um, finding new tools, where else do you find, and you know, you don't have to give away your secret sauce, but for the people that are just starting out maybe in um, the fraud space, wh- where else are some suggestions that you would say to to start or to like, you know, keep refining your tools? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think so. I, um, I try to seek out as many, um, you know, organizations and and resources as possible with tools and books, podcasts, conferences. Um, there are some really great ones out there and I, I wish I had, um, uh, all the time in the world to just absorb as much as I could. Uh, but I would say um, look for the investigation conferences. There are there's definitely um, some that um, like state associations who do a conference every year um, and look to see if the topics would be of interest to you. I had, uh, for example, at the Tally Conference, the T- Texas Association of Licensed Investigators had a full day of talking just about open records and social media, which is about 99% of what I do. So that was a phenomenal you know, opportunity for me. Uh, it just happened that they had that scheduled on the agenda this year. Um, I would look at uh, the Osmosis Conference, um, and Osmosis is now launching its own uh, association. Um, the uh, ACFE, of course, uh, sort of for Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, and um, actually another um, kind of tie, tie, kind of tying it into the previous question about podcasts. Another good resource is Intel Techniques. Oh, yeah. Uh, Michael Basil's, um, he has a podcast, a book, and an online video training platform that's actually in, that's actually run by Jason Edison of IntelTechniques.net. So there's sort of a, a, a good um, a web of resources there for uh, if you're interested in doing open source intelligence. Um, that stuff can get pretty advanced pretty quick. So I always try to seek out training that I think, you know, what have my clients been asking for? in the past 12 months. Sometimes they're asking more for this kind of thing and that kind of thing. Sometimes they just want to know how to, um, you know, find profiles. Sometimes they want more advanced, sophisticated, you know, more high tech things. So think about what, what, where your needs are now, where you expect them to go in the next six to 12 months and seek out training that would, um, that would sort of fulfill those anticipated needs. Oh my gosh. That's so like what, that's an amazing nugget. What have my clients been asking for? So simple. But I mean, if you look and, you know, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. That's so, yeah. so good. It keeps, you, it keeps you disciplined. Otherwise, I would just go off on, on, on these uh, wild goose chases <laughs> of doing so much OSINT training because it's so interesting to me. And it's definitely a good idea to do it for self um self-awareness and self-fulfillment. Uh, but if you really want to, um, you know, narrow it down for uh, just for a specific purpose is think about, yeah, what your, what your clients have been asking for and seek out the training that will help you uh, to, to grow those uh, capabilities. Um, so, I mean, you've been in the field now over 10 years and now you're kind of giving back, whereas I'm sure you're probably mentoring and helping out even newer investigators. Is there anything you could say to them, like, 
oh, do this or don't do this. That's a waste of time. Is What are some, you know, nuggets that you give to new people entering the field? Yeah, I would say um, to new people entering the field, it's definitely a good skill set um, to learn how to uh, be a good analyst, um, to, to be able to ingest a lot of information um, and to summar- be able to summarize it in a succinct, you know, direct, clear way so, uh, for your client. So that could mean, um, you know, there and there are plenty of, you know, classes and trainings out there on um, on analysis, uh, but you don't have to necessarily be an expert in statistics unless you work in a very statistical heavy uh, field where you're doing a lot of financial and statistical analysis, but a good skill I would focus on is um, is isn't necessarily adding a million billion tools to your to your toolkit, um, even though that is important. But learn how to analyze and really understand what's going on. Talk to client, talk to your clients, and understand their needs so that when you write your report, um, it's actually going through and answering their questions rather than just dumping a bunch of data on paper. Um, so, uh, for example, you might spend eight or 10 or 12 hours on an investigation, reading things, clicking things, you know, saving documents and stuff. But now you have to write a report that's going to get the point across to your client in a matter of minutes or less. So uh, analysis, very important, writing, very important, uh, reading comprehension. It almost sounds like, you know, it's uh, (laughs) like taking the SATs, but um, really it's some of those things will get you uh, very far because, um, you know, it's about taking the lengthy investigation that you did and being able to convey it um, to a to an audience is uh, is a critical skill. And uh, the earlier you can develop that, the better. So that's what I would sell to to new folks. So this kind of goes to do you have a favorite case or a case study that you like to present that really encapsulates all what you've said about ingesting and then analyzing it like do you have a favorite case it's kind of like asking if you have a favorite child um oh wow yeah i mean i can think of a few that um uh you know my my the ones that i like the best and i am thinking of of one in particular in in the back of my mind as i say this is uh you know sometimes you get a request saying hey can you check out this person or check out this company um and oh here are the magic words don't spend a lot of time on it (laughs) (laughs) because guess what happens every time they say oh this should be quick or just take a quick look there's you always find something and then it turns into this months-long thing (laughs) um so there is a case that i you know i've been working on for a while that was just supposed to be a, a you know a quick check into a company um, and it turns out that that company has a significant stakeholdership in several other companies which were all involved in fraud um, big big fraud I'm talking like the attorney general came after them the, the the state attorney general in this particular case so it has turned into you know what went from a very quick uh, check you know, again, here we here's where we tie in the analysis, the careful uh, analysis and careful um, collection of data and really looking for. And, and then on top of that, using tools to look for additional data, using open records and public records, um, using uh, online tools, uh, really uncovered a lot of information in that short amount of time 
that made the client interested in further uh, investigation and analysis. So, uh, you know, what started out as kind of a quick case has now turned into something much, much bigger um, thanks to, um, you know, having the right tools, having the right mindset, approaching it um, diligently, um, and really everything kind of coming together in a way where they, it it, uh, it provided value for the client. That's why they came back and they were interested in uh, in further research. Oh, yeah, that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, you know, another thing that I find fascinating about you and your career is that, okay, you worked for the DOJ for a couple of years, and um, and then you've been out on your own. Like, is that scary? It was in the beginning, yes. I, I had to, uh, <clears throat> you know, I had to sort of align. I had to make a plan. You know, I was going to say, you know, here's where I want to be by this date. Here are the actions that I'm going to take by that date. Because if you don't, you'll, you'll start backing out of it. <laughs> you know, you'll, um, I think, you know, the pandemic presented a kind of interesting time for me because it was, um, you know, everybody started, you know, working from home. Everybody started changing their routine and things like that. So it, that was sort of a way to, uh, to settle into it. But at the beginning, yeah, it was sort of uh, intimidating because it was about thinking about changing your the, the, the entire way you think about work or the entire way you think about a career. Um, and for me, um, I liked having bosses during my career. Most, I mean, you know, you don't like having a boss, but I liked having somebody who, you know, would be able to be a guide rail for me and, uh, you know, provide feedback, provide coaching and that sort of thing. And when you're on your own, um, the only feedback you get is from your client and you want to make sure you catch any mistakes before it gets to them. So um, that those were sort of the things that were a little bit scarier and riskier being on your own. But thankfully, um, you know, I found great associations and great mentors um, like Marcy Phelps um, and, and, and groups where I can talk about these ideas and bounce ideas off of people to where I'm taking the best knowledge from the best people and the best groups. And then I know, you know, the, the right direction, the right path and seeing the paths that other people took. So that helped me to get some confidence to, uh, to keep going and to, to, you know, to make sure I'm on the right track when I don't have that supervision from, from a, an organization or from a team. So then this leads me, have you ever kind of thought of like, oh, I'm just going to go work for, you know, XYZ Corporation. This is just, you know, this is just too hard. The, the feast or famine. Yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely, I mean, there are times when, uh, when it definitely feels like things are, you know, so hectic and, and everything, but I, th you know, what I think has helped from help for me is, um, you know, sort of having an idea or a plan of um, where I want to go and what I want to accomplish so that when things feel, you know, so crazy, I can sort of um, throttle the progress that I'm making on the plan. It's like, okay, things are really busy right now. That's great. So we're going to make sure we get the work done and then make sure we still focus on the long-term goals. And then when things get a little bit slower, um, you know, work toward those long-term goals. And for me, I'm always trying to find a way to 
to to get out for a few minutes and go to a training or go to a meeting or or do something where I'm around other uh, investigators. So the longer I stick with it, the more I like it. And I, I maybe someday I'll be the XYZ company <laughs> that, uh, that just, uh, uh, that just humming along. And, you know, it, it really has turned into, um, I've been in business six years and, uh, you know, it's really turned into something, um, you know, in just that short amount of time that I'm, uh, you know, very happy with and very proud of. And I'll, I'll take the, um, the hecticness, I guess any day because that's uh, that's the exciting part about it, and I get to meet so many thrilling people. Um, not too many other professions and industries are like that. You know, you can meet face to face with another PI, and it doesn't feel like you're meeting with a competitor or something. You're, you're meeting with a colleague, and that's what makes it so great. I think that that's what ha- that helped me, uh, you know, stick with it for for this time. Oh, so you could be XYZ Corporation. I love that. So this this question just came to me because I had to run out to the store to get a bone for my dog. So she doesn't bark during the podcast. But um, there was, you know, the Powerball is like a billion dollars. And there were a couple of people in line talking about the lottery. If you won the Powerball tomorrow, Eddie, would you still do this? Oh, good question. Wow. Um <laughs> Well, I think, you know, if I had if I had to pick something to do to keep me busy, I think this would be it. Um, you know, there there are a lot of great causes that um, I think, you know, it, it's sort of like if, if the money didn't matter question or if, the, you know, if you won the lottery, would you still. Yeah, I, I think I would, because it's. um it's so fascinating to stay on top of the latest trends. And, you know, I think there's so much good that can come out of the work that we do. Um, you know, I actually just got back from the uh, Michigan Council of Professional Investigators conference where there was uh, a gentleman who was exonerated after serving 35 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. 35 years is a long time. And he spoke about how PI specifically helped with that case and helped to, you know, tirelessly uncover evidence and, and go back through decades old records. And so really that's what makes the difference. And that's where sort of, um, you know, those are the, those are the, 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 the investigating for good that can come out of, uh, the industry, but even if yeah, if I won the lottery, I would do it just because it's a it's a fascinating uh, industry. Um, the people that I've met through associations are like family, and I serve on a couple of boards uh, in the in the uh, investigation profession. So I wouldn't want to leave them just yet because uh, you know I really like I, I like the direction that the uh, the industry is going in. Well, okay, this leads to a perfect um, sort of segue towards the end, which is like serial, you know, Adnan Syed just got out. Mm-hmm. And um, so what pop culture, because I teach um, fraud and pop culture, what pop culture binging do you do about anything, you know, maybe related to fraud? Is there anything you've binged on TV or movies that you're like, oh, yeah, I can see that? Oh, good one. Um, you know, there's that. I think it's a Netflix show called Heist. That's, uh, oh, yeah. that's really good. Uh, that one's very entertaining because it talks. It, they talk to to the, to the real folks who were behind those things, um, and what was going through their mind. And you know, they seem like a lot of them were just 
you know, everyday people, or they were in the wrong place at the wrong time or the right place for them at the, at the right time. And that they pulled off these, you know, heists that were a, a you know, just mind blowing. Um, so I think that one is, is like a real life case scenario, a real life, um, uh, you know, real life show that shows uh, actual um, real case examples. Um, and maybe, you know, um, maybe fiction wise, gosh, what was, um, um, you know, something, uh, this is going to be sort of, uh, probably the unexpected answer, but, but the mafia documentaries, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated on how, um, oh, there's one called fear city on Netflix. That's really good. And they interview a lot of the FBI agents and the prosecutors and the investigators investigators who took down the mafia commission because they talked about how they infiltrated legitimate institutions of society, labor unions and construction companies and public works and everything. And which is just so fascinating to me. It's like, how can a group, an underground group just take over an entire, you know, billions of dollars of revenue of companies and things like that. So that was also an interesting one um, on, uh, you know, how historically uh, that came to be, especially the seventies through the late eighties and early nineties on how the, the mafia, infiltrated these groups and were were just orchestrating fraud on a billions and billions of dollar scale through uh through everyday industries um construction and garment industry and meat industry and transportation everything so that that was a really uh really unique one that just came to mind as well yeah i watched the sopranos finally during covid with my husband and um yeah, like <laughs> this is funny. We have a store where we used to um, live, and it's a it's a ethnic store. And every time we drive by it, there is no one there, and it's always open. And we're just like, that has got to be a front. Like, there's <laughs> just no way it can't be. So yeah, I kind of ruined my children that way. So, <laughs> um, what haven't I asked you that you want to get out to the audience? Um. Wow, I don't know. I've it's all been great questions. Um, um, I would say, um, going back to, um, you know, uh, wh- where I thought I was going to be when I started, uh, uh, till w- up to where where I am now, is sort of one thing. You know, because when I first started, the first year of my business, I was doing. I thought I wanted to do, you know, research and consulting. And in DC, that might make sense. In DC, people might 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 know what that means um, but not everybody will and i think what has helped me the most is to um be more specific about what it is that i do and who it is that i help um and don't undervalue yourself it's so easy and so tempting in the beginning especially to sort of undercut yourself the problem is is that the deeper trench that you dig the harder it is to climb out of it so um you know i i didn't i'm not saying that i did that i think that that's something i was i was very cautious of is to price yourself competitively but also you know make sure that you're it's appropriate for the services and the value that you're providing um that was a big um banner 
uh, chant for AIIP because it was all about helping the in, infopreneur or the solopreneur. And it's tempting for, as when you, especially when you first start out and especially when you're on your own is to, is to, uh, you know, undervalue yourself. So what I want the, the audience to know is to, is to value yourself and the, the service you provide. Um, and, you know, think about what it is that you do, who it is that you help. Um, it, it, and then that, that will help your marketing and your and your business development um, move along in the right direction to have that specificity and to have that goal um, in mind. And for me, that was just you know going the PI route and and really uh, working with almost exclusively with lawyers, um, so that uh, I felt comfortable knowing what it is that they care about most and how I might best be able to help them. Oh, that is so. So good, because I just had someone reach out to me last week on Twitter and they were frustrated. They'd been working with a law firm and the law firm wasn't really appreciating them. And I gave them a, little, a few little tips and um, and they wrote back and they're like, when I see it like that. Yeah, you're right. When I charge X, they don't treat me well. When I charge two X, they treat me better. And right. it's a matter of having those boundaries. It is right, right, yeah, and a lot of people, it, you know, it does come with the expectations that um, you know, when when charging higher, they'll expect more of you. But then you become a specialized service, and they know that, um, you know, they it's it's not easy to find uh, good service providers out there. So you know, when you when you do a good job and you um, uh, you know provide value to a client um, and, uh, you know, grow to know their needs, um, then, uh, that's golden. That's golden for you as a, as a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then closing out, what is the last thing you Googled, Eddie? Um, uh, good question. What if you I... can say, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know <laughs> what maybe, Oh, um, I know what I was looking up earlier is, um, I have to do some um, projects where I needed to find out information on a Canadian company. So I'm just sort of doing some preliminary background uh, Googling to see if there are any good, you know, databases out there for investigating Canadian companies. I'm probably going to be working with the Canadian investigator on this one. It's a, it's one Canadian person and one Canadian company, but just to sort of see, cause I'm curious as to what, what's out there OSINT wise, if there are any, um, you know, what the differences are between how U S private company data is available, which is, you know, not very much if, 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 if at all, if the smaller LLC or something and Canadian companies. So just sort of curious to see what's out there and how business data is different um, with our, uh, with our neighbors to the North there. Our nice neighbors to the north. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so fraudish audience, if you can help Eddie, be sure and reach out to him on this because we like to help each other. Eddie, I can't thank you enough. I look forward to seeing both of us next year, Osmosis, New Orleans, obviously. Um, and um, we will just keep in touch. I have lots of show notes because you provided a ton of information. And I just thank you so much, Eddie. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. It was uh, an honor to be on here. I'm so I'm so glad that uh, I got a chance to chat with you. Oh, cool. Talk to you later. Thank you. Have a good day.